<laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of the Unlikely Hikers podcast and live show. I feel really nervous today. Um, thank you for being here. This is the most fun thing ever. I'm learning so much with each podcast. And I'm also seeing that a lot of you have tuned in every week and that feels really good. Thank you. Uh, the premise of our show is really simple. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, I have a live show via Zoom where I lead a conversation with someone in the outdoor world who I find fascinating. Our guest today is author, photographer, rock climber, and living legend, I added that of course, Nikki Smith. To say she's a fascinating person is to say the absolute least, and you'll get to meet her soon. I'm your host, Jenny Brusso. I am a queer, fat writer, hiker, group hike leader, and founder of Unlikely Hikers, which is an Instagram community, hiking group, and now a podcast. I created this to, or this podcast to bring the outdoors indoors as many of us are on self-quarantine or, you know, just following those stay-at-home orders due to COVID-19. Events everywhere are canceled, group hikes are canceled, hugging our friends is canceled, summer might be canceled <laughs> and it's terrible, but nothing is more important than halting the spread of COVID-19 and saving actual lives. So we're all gonna do the right things in the meantime and do our best to get through this while also acknowledging that this is horrible and affects all of us in many, many ways. And it can look very different from person to person. You know, humans thrive on connection. We are social creatures. And I mean, I think most living beings are and starting, I started this because I wanted to create a space for folks to still get some of that in-person unlikely hikers connection and community that we've come to rely on with our hikes. The recorded show, this that we're doing right now is later uploaded on Basically, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and you can also watch this or our past episodes on YouTube, and they have closed captions. So if you need closed captions, um, the videos are even more accessible to more people, and you know that's a big part of Unlikely Hikers' mission is making things as accessible to as many people as possible. A word. We're grownups. Uh, we might say bad words. And <laughs> this may be one of the last times I say this because I kind of realized I was only saying it because I was, you know, I, I, every other podcast I listen to has a disclaimer like this. But like, if we're all adults, you know, and people cuss, don't we all kind of know this already? And also, you know, outdoor culture tends to be very puritanical and you know uptight and unlikely hikers isn't that you know obviously we all have really different experiences but you're just going to get something a little different with this and i think we all kind of understand that at this point unless you're new welcome before we introduce our guest i always take a few minutes to just you know 
say a little something that's on my heart and uh, or about what's going on in the world. And uh, today I want to talk to you about masks, you know, the little facial masks that we're all seeing and hearing about. And, you know, you just got to wear a, a mask in public. Um, I know there's been a lot of conflicting messaging about the pros and cons and how they're basically useless and all of this stuff. And it makes sense that we're not all on the same page about it. But there are some effective, there are ways that the masks are effective. And I'm just going to kind of go over a couple of those things. And, you know, the first one is if you sneeze or cough, a mask will hold back your spray. And of course, you know, it is porous if you don't have some kind of filtration system or whatever. It is porous. So yeah, some of your germs are going to get through, but we can all very easily understand how uh, less is going to get through if you're wearing something like this. We have to really be thinking about not the way that we're affected by things, but about how our behaviors affect other people and how what we do affects other people. They make people feel more assured and safe. Many of the folks who are pleading with us to wear masks are people with compromised immune systems. And, you know, your feelings about it, what you've read, your scientific deducing, um, they just don't really matter right now. You know, it's just a, it's a way to be an ally by wearing the mask. If people are asking us to wear the masks, we have to wear them. And also, I mean, just to be plain about it, it kind of feels like you're at least doing something. I know that for myself and a lot of people, we have some feelings of not being able to do enough. And we have, you know, for me, I'm such a, a fixer. Like when there's a problem, I, I, I am trying to come up with ideas and how I can solve it, which isn't always the best case the best way to be. Sometimes it's better to just like pause, listen, take inventory, all of those things. If, if I see where I can be of help, I, I, I'm always trying to be of service is what I'm trying to say. And uh, this is a situation where I don't really know how to be of service and wearing a mask because I'm asked makes me feel better. And I'll take that little placebo hit and I feel really good about that. I actually made a post about this on Instagram yesterday and a bunch of people put in the comments that they are making masks and you can get them. Some of them are free. Uh, so if you need a mask, you have no more excuses. Speaking of no more excuses, I've seen pictures of dudes on the internet wearing like menstrual pads on their face at the grocery store because they're just trying to mask their faces. So if they can do it, you can too. And there are so many articles right now about how to make your own mask. So on that note, I also want to say, of course, that I'm mainly saying this to people who maybe don't know these things or have maybe just decided to go off of that one article that they saw about how ineffective they are, etc. And this is definitely not directed to people who are feeling unsafe wearing masks in public, especially people of color, black people. You know, if it's an unsafe situation to wear one, I'm not going to tell you how to like live your life or whatever and police that. Like it's, we should all be able to, you know, 
be as safe as possible right now. <laughs> we have arrived at our main event. I am so excited to introduce Nikki Smith. Nikki Smith is a photographer, artist, writer, and climber based in Salt Lake City. She started climbing in the early 90s and has been working in the outdoor industry and climbing and climbing world since 1998. She's authored five climbing guidebooks to date with a few more on the way and has written many feature articles for climbing magazines. She's done more than 150 first ascents throughout the West and has traveled the world to climb. Wow. Now much of her work is focused on trying to build a more inclusive, diverse, and safe community within climbing and the outdoors. She is an advocate for the LGBTQIA community and a board member for the Access Fund, which is a community of climbing advocates fighting for the integrity of public lands. Hi, Nikki. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you today? I'm pretty good. I'm so honored that you would be willing to do this. I personally, I hate live speaking and I always feel like I never say the things that I want to say. And yeah, so when people ask me to do podcasts, I really have to kind of do some soul searching. And I just, I just so appreciate that you would actually be here with us today. It's an honor. I'm honored to be on your show. Like we've had a lot of conversations over the past few years and you're someone that has done a lot to change things in the outdoors. And I really appreciate what you're doing. I mean, I really appreciate that. Thank you. And, and it's really people and presences like your own that inspire me to even do this work. I was thinking about when I first found out about you, and I can't remember the exact moment, but I remember the feeling. I remember just feeling like I saw a picture of you climbing. I think it was on Instagram. I just can't remember, but I remember having this feeling like, oh my gosh, this is so important. I want to know everything I possibly can about this person. And it, it, and just like that, I feel like you and I started ending up in so many spaces we you know we'd have our little instagram conversations here and there but then we were able to share a space that i think two ors now and two lgbtq outdoor conferences and um it's just it's been such a pleasure to get to know you yeah you too <laughs> um so i know that you are largely self-employed or maybe completely self-employed. So I'm kind of wondering what's your uh, self-quarantine been like? Um, <laughs> I, I have <laughs> no employment right now. Um, yeah, it's been, been pretty quiet. My wife is working, so I'm just kind of doing everything I can to help support her. I mean, I always cook, but I make sure, nice. you know, when, once she's done with work, I have a cocktail ready for her. Have dinner ready. I was gonna say, are you just like passing the time drinking your delicious homemade cocktails? <laughs> no, I've got plenty to do. I've got a lot of sure. personal projects that I'm working on, so it's it's okay. Awesome. I I, I just noticed that in my neighborhood when I'm walking my dog, I'm seeing a lot more booze bottles in people's recycling bins. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah, and I'm sure there's many reasons why 
the alcohol intake has increased, but you know, it, it is a way to pass the time. <laughs> it can be, it, yeah. it can be dangerous too. It but. definitely can. I, I'm not somebody who can pass the time like that for sure. Yeah. Um, so just reading your bio and like really your bio feels pared down compared to what I know about you. You're just really like a Jill of all trades. And I, I just kind of feel like, what can't she do? <laughs> and can't write bios. <laughs> no, like that's the you, worst thing ever when someone asks for a bio. It's I, the worst. I hate it. I validate that completely. It's horrible writing about yourself in the third person in a way that is supposed to spark interest and, and uh, from other people or whatever. It's like, a, a, you know, a list of your credentials and yeah, it can feel kind of embarrassing and self-conscious. We all need to start this group where we all write each other's bios for one another. That's actually a great idea. Um, I'm going to pause this for just a second to tell everybody who's watching again, or just to remind you to send in your questions and comments as we're talking and uh, hopefully we can get to as many as we can later. So I, I, Actually, today, I'm going to be completely honest. Okay, so I have rock climbed a little bit in, in gyms. So I had to real, I had to look up <laughs> what a first ascent was. And I kind of already had an idea of it. I'm just being really honest. I'm like, still so green about the outdoors and language. And rock climbing has so much language that's just very unique to rock climbing. So a first ascent for anybody who does not know who might be listening, it's, it's, and please fill in the blanks here, uh, Nikki, but it's a, like a first successful documented route or like, um, like a climbing route or like how to get to a mountain, like the top of a mountain. Is that how you would say that? Basically, it's pretty pointless and meaningless in the scheme it of things. It is not. It's major. And I mean, I just... It, I mean, it, it makes me wonder if you have all of the, like over 150 documented first ascents, you know, it makes me wonder, you know, I mean, that just sounds incredible. And like, so why rock climbing? What, what is it about? When did you start rock climbing? And, and what is it? What is it to you? What does it bring to your life? Uh, I started when I was 16 years old. And some friends took me took me out to this cliff and I tried rappelling before, which is starting at the top and, you know, going down a rope. And I was, I'm afraid of heights even still. I don't like to rappel unless I absolutely have to. Um, I've learned to kind of control that fear more so now. But as soon as I touched the rock and started going up, it requires you to focus in a way that not too many other sports do. If I'm running or riding my bike or doing other things like you're constantly thinking about everything that's going on with climbing you're problem solving in a way that requires your full attention and right. so it's you know it's always just trying to figure out how to unlock these sequences on the rock how to adapt yourself to what's going on on that particular section of cliff or, or mountain and it requires so much focus that it just quieted everything else. I didn't have to think about my issues at home. I didn't have to think about, you know, my identity. I didn't have to think about anything. I could just focus on moving and just pushing myself in a way that I hadn't really experienced before. I'd done a lot of team sports and 
because I was expected to and never really enjoyed that. And climbing, even though like it is a partner sport, you're there with your partner. When you're on, when you're leading, it's just you. And so it just requires a lot of focus. And I just really like that. I, I fully understand what you're saying. And uh, I mean, not from a rock climbing perspective, but I do, I think we actually touched on this on our last episode with uh, Will Robinson, AKA Akuna. Just, you know, how sometimes those outdoor, you know, adventures, experiences force you to, you know, get out of your own head and just think about what you absolutely need right there in a moment. And for a lot of us, that is, uh, you know, uh, that is medicine to us because it can be really hard to get out of your own head in so many other arenas of, in life, especially if you move through the world in a way that uh, is not as free and as comfortable as it is for, for maybe somebody else. Um, as I was getting, as I was uh, preparing for this, I read many, many articles about you that you'd been interviewed for, and, and many of them I had read before. One overarching feeling I got as I read all of them back to back was just that kind of feeling that, you know, I experienced this too in, in certain ways, and I think a lot of people in the outdoor uh, industry, outdoor world experience who have marginalized identities experience this, that feeling where you don't get to just be you in an article. I mean, you're you, but there's also all of these questions and things like that, that, uh, that are a lot of our like cisgender straight peers, um, you know, are, are not asked that, that you're asked or that, you know, somebody with a marginalized identity would be asked, but like they're, you know, somebody else isn't asked. Like when we're featured on, for example, like when we're featured on a, an Instagram account or whatever, it's, it always has to be kind of like a learning moment for other people. And it's not just celebrating our accomplishments and it's really exhausting. You know, you don't just get to have your roses it's also like you have to be kind of educating people and also sort of defending your the your worth like why who you are matters and it's it's just this sort of convincing that can just be really really tiring i feel like i'm blathering a little bit but it it brings up a lot of stuff and you know just thinking about how like you know our our straight cisgender uh athletes and influencers are not asked about their gender identity or about their sexuality. They're not asked when they came out about this or that. And, um, you know, it just, <laughs> it brings up, it just brought up a lot of feelings. So I'm kind of wondering, like, um, you know, don't hate me for asking this, but are you, how do you feel about being an influencer? You know, I know that you're an athlete first or, or you're many things first, probably before you'd call yourself an influencer, but this is just the times we're living in. And I'm trying to get comfortable with that title too, because we, we are, whether we like it or not. So 
I'm, I'm curious about what that is like for people to have that kind of view into your life in this way. It's uncomfortable sometimes. Um, I don't know what to call myself, really. I just am trying to fight for my space to be able to be who I am in, in the activities that I love. And I want other people to feel that same way. Um, so I guess, I don't know whether it's an influencer or activist or whatever you want to say, it doesn't really matter, I guess, ultimately. Um, yeah, you're bringing up a really important part. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, it can be very uncomfortable. There's a lot, you know, in the past, because of my photography guidebooks, um, the things I've done in climbing, when I went to some of these climbing festivals or events before, and it was announced that I was speaking, it was just, okay, she's a photographer, she's doing a slideshow. And now it's completely different. If it's announced that I'm speaking, you know, sometimes there's, there's no problems. And then other fests, there's a lot of negativity attached to that. And it's just, you know, all has to do with my being trans. And so in a lot of ways, you know, my identity kind of erases a lot of my past. And that's what people tend to focus on. Um, so I, I have some things I like to do in my um, slideshow and presentation to kind of combat that. Um, but it's, it's not always easy. In, in a lot of ways, I mean, one, one very positive part about being a person speaking about their experience, sharing your, your experience, sharing my experience, things like that, it gives other people who share those identities or, or even questioning those identities, it gives them permission to do the same and to bring their, their whole selves to whatever they're doing and that's so positive because it's, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And I think that a lot of us have experiences where we've gone our whole lives not thinking about something and then someone says something in a certain way and it's like the lights go on and it's like, oh, uh, that's me or, oh, that's that feeling I've all, always had. But still it is, it's a, it's a heavy burden to have to have your... I don't want to be dramatic. I mean, I am dramatic, but your whole existence boiled down to your identity when sometimes you just want to, you know, own your accomplishments and talk about the sport or activity that you do and not necessarily educate everyone on what it's like to, to, you know, be a trans person or, you know, yeah. Or, or for me, like what it's like to, you know, experience anti-fat bias like every single day of my life in so many ways that people don't even think about and whatnot. So yeah, it's a lot. And it's also <laughs> difficult when you are one of only a few and maybe the only one that people know. And then you sort of become this, uh, this default uh, gosh, there's a better way of putting this, but you become the voice. And it's, you know, it's impossible to be the voice of a community. We can do our absolute best, but, but it's really difficult. Uh, there's a lot of pressure there. And, and, I, and, you know, even talking to you, I really was thinking like, 
you are probably the most well-known climber who is trans. Similarly, when I came into the outdoor world, the only other plus size person that I knew of was Myrna Valerio, who's amazing, but still it's like a lonely place being one of only two or whatever. I don't know. Do you have any <laughs> things to say about that? I feel like I'm kind of just like going on and on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, there are way more than people realize out there. We've just been too afraid to show it. And it's not like, you know, I, I could, I could keep pretending. And even though I knew no one else knew and I, I could hide that and that made things worse for me, but it's not like it's something easily identifiable, like a lot of other identities there. And there are so many more. And I see this in the messages that I get every time I speak or every time there's an article or podcast or something that comes out about me, people find other people find out about me who thought they were the only ones like them. They thought they were the only trans person in their area or they didn't know that other trans climbers or outdoors people existed. And it gives them the courage to to be themselves or to be a little louder about it or feel like, okay, if she has been reasonably accepted, then then I can be too. And so it's important, but it's hard. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of firsts that end up happening and it's made me even more uncomfortable with first ascents but that first ascents are kind of the only firsts that i'm really comfortable with this is 2020 and i'm in a lot of areas the first trans person known at least known out trans person to do certain things and it's that's horrible yeah like that we're at this point in life and that some of these things are a first like that I can't really sell I don't like and even want to celebrate that because it's I know. it's not, it's not a real accomplishment like that's I mean it is it is an accomplishment it really is and I mean you're doing I mean it's a I, I'm so grateful that you are able to it just living your gorgeous life, you know, allowing these folks to say, to realize that they're not the only one. And they're now always going to know that they're not the only one and that there's more of them too. I, I know what you mean though, about that feeling like it's just, it's hard to acknowledge how, how your accomplishments when it's like also so sad that this is where we're at, that we're not far more, you know, past this, that we haven't accomplished more. And that's one thing about um, outdoor culture and the outdoor industry that's really hard for me and, and that you're articulating really well is that it also seems, or not seems, it is, it's so behind on the times. Yeah, it is frustrating that things get labeled as politics when it's really, it's me talking about the things that would keep me safe survival Thing, things that keep me from accessing the outdoors or, or other things in public things that affect so many people within the overall population and the amount of, uh, the amount of people of color people who are not the typical cis straight white people who recreate is is higher than most people think yes 
Um, I think the last study by the Outdoor Industry Association where 30% of participants in the outdoors don't, are not white. You know, and that's still, that's, that's not a majority, but it's changing rapidly. And anytime any of us bring up some of these issues that affect us, yeah, it gets labeled as politics and why can't we just talk about climbing? Why can't we just talk about hiking or whatever? Why do we always have to resort to this? And like, well, I can't separate any of that stuff from my climbing, from my hiking, because these things happen to me. These things follow me wherever I go, whether I talk about it or not, this stuff happens to me. Yeah, I, I think there's plenty of people who choose not to talk about the uh, microaggressions and and you know and aggression aggressions that they experience just for their own mental well-being or to maybe fit into a space better. But we are all you know we all in some way or another look for the places that we belong, whether we are thinking about it or not. It's, it's an in, intuitive thing. We're all looking for our people. And, you know, when you're somebody who is largely represented all of the time, you're not really going to be thinking about that as much as somebody else's. And what I wish is that people could just like, people who have more social privileges would just bend their imaginations enough to know that their experience is not representative of other experiences. And also that just because something hasn't happened to them doesn't mean that it's not happening to someone else and that it's not, you know, in that, and, and also to acknowledge that it, it can be dangerous. And when I said earlier about, when I said about, you know, it seems like mainstream culture is marginally a little marginally ahead of the outdoor industry. I just mean that like, you know, a lot of, in a lot of ways in dominant media now, we or mainstream media, we do see representation of trans folks and people of other marginalized identities that we don't generally see in outdoor culture. But I kind of, you know, you, you've been working within the outdoor industry for 22 years or almost 22 years. And I'm sort of curious about, you know, especially now as you've moved into a role of being an advocate for those underrepresented folks in the outdoors, you know, how, how have you seen the outdoor industry change in that time? Um, it's gotten a lot more diverse. I mean, for years, I didn't see anyone different. And then, you know, five, six years ago, more and more groups started appearing, you know, some like yours with Unlikely Hikers, Outdoor Afro, uh, Brown Girls Climb, Flash Foxy, um, you know, so many different groups, Latino Outdoors, um, Native Women's Wilderness, all these that are advocating for, for people who haven't been represented in the outdoors, who've always been a part of the outdoors in, in one way or another. And that's something that really gave me hope. I mean, I didn't ever see anyone like me and it's still rare that I do. The last trade show, and I'm sure there are more that I don't know about, but out of around 30,000 participants, um, there, were, there were five trans people that all of us kind of know were there. I mean, that's a pretty small number, but seeing that there are 
other groups that are advocating for change in the outdoors and that I have been supported and welcomed by a lot of these groups has been really helpful. You know, we've been able to work together on, on trying to change things and what you're doing, what these other groups are doing benefits me. It benefits other trans people, you know, queer and trans identity overlaps pretty much every, every identity out there. You know, it doesn't matter whether it's ethnicity, religion, um, ability, whatever it might be, you know, there's going to be trans and queer people within that group. And so, you know, just advocating for trans people, well, that affects every group out there. And so it's great seeing all of these amazing groups working together and trying to change things because it benefits all of us. It's so true. We all need each other. We all have to fortify each other because uh, there's also a lot of disappointments in outdoor industry and outdoor culture that happen all the time, even though I do see a lot of brands uh, trying to do better. And I have seen the effects of some of, of this work. Uh, you know, I, I feel like even in the four years or so that I've been doing Unlikely Hikers, I have seen some improvements. But there's also that funny thing that happens when we start seeing improvements. It kind of highlights how bad so many other things are. So it starts feeling like things can't move fast enough. And we're mm -hmm. also living in this time with social media where, you know, we all talk. <laughs> so conversations happen a lot faster, but the outdoor industry is moving really slow. And so it, it, it can really feel sometimes like things aren't moving fast enough, but you know, we do have each other and that really does. I mean, for me, it's everything to have this community because it's really lonely advocating for something by yourself. And also sometimes when you're worn out, you need somebody else to carry the baton, you know, and uh, just kind of tag you in and out when, when, you know, things are needed. So I'm very grateful to have you as a community member and an ally and a friend and uh, to be a part of this, this unique sort of subsect of the outdoor industry, outdoor world. I don't know, some of, I don't, I always feel weird saying outdoor industry because I'm, I, I don't really work for the outdoor industry, but I am supported by the outdoor industry. So I don't know. Anyway, but yeah. uh, I think one of the things that we need to be careful of, and I mean, I did this a lot early on and I still do it, is focusing on the outdoor industry and the slow change there. When what's really more important are the people who messaged me who are finally comfortable being themselves. Like so the community true. of trans people who have, who have revealed themselves to me, whether they were already out and I didn't know about them or they are coming out. Um, you know, after they'd seen me or, you know, it's not just because of me, but like they, they felt comfortable, more comfortable because they saw someone like, ultimately that's really what matters. You know, the, the community that you've built of people who have never seen themselves represented in the outdoors, starting to see each other on there, regardless of what the outdoor industry does, they're going to have to change over time because we're changing it. 
by building our own communities. And so uh, it's, it can be frustrating, but sometimes I think we focus too much on that and not enough on what we're all doing to show each other, to represent each other and build our own communities. You're so right. And that's something I always remind myself of is like when I feel I, I also, I do exactly what you said. Sometimes I get really focused on what the outdoor industry is doing or not doing. And it, it, it can shift my focus a little bit in ways that don't actually serve me or serve the communities that I am, you know, trying to create space for with unlikely hikers. And I always have to remember that the focus is really on us. It's on our, you know, us gathering outside and actually having our experiences together. And it's great that there are parts of the outdoor industry that support that, but, but ultimately it is really about us and uh, you know, and being there for each other. And um, I, I'm curious though, I know you work with a number of brands. Would you say that there is, and you can be as candid as you like, of course, uh, this is the Unlikely Hikers podcast, uh, but is there a brand that you see doing good things? I think there are a lot of brands doing good things. Um, you know, I'm supported by quite a few brands that have been really amazing to me. Uh, you know, Mountain Hardware, REI, Scarpa, Liberty Mountain, um, Bronwyn Jewelry, there, there's quite a few. and. The hard thing is, is in some areas, you know, like everyone's trying right now. This is, this is unfortunately new to a lot of people. I mean, I'm, I mess up, I'm sure on, on things as I try to advocate overall, yeah. like, I mean, we're not we all, born with this knowledge. Nobody's doing it perfect. Um, but there are companies who really want to try to change and are trying to work within the system that we have, unfortunately, and trying to change that. And that doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, again, that it can be really frustrating, but as I mentioned, you know, I've seen it over and over, even when there's an article about me where it's had some things where it's like, ah, oh, that's not the way you really should be talking about trans people. Like that's kind of problematic. You know, I kind of get upset. And then I get a message from someone that just changes everything that regardless of those issues in there it's still reaching somebody it's still helping somebody and it's still changing things i mean it is it is a big learning curve for sure and a lot of these brands and and whatnot are yeah navigating this for the first time which is again like we talked about earlier really hard because it's like oh you're you're just like getting to this now and but at the same time, isn't it better to arrive and, 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 you know, as opposed to not arriving at all? And, and, and again, yeah, none of us are, are born with this information, even information about ourselves. You know, a lot of us don't know the words to describe who we are until we see somebody else or, you know, use those words for themselves. But the more we're able to make people feel comfortable and be themselves in the outdoors, the more they're going to get their friends and family involved, the more thing, you know, the population shift, which is already there, but 
it's going to continue to grow and it just can't be ignored. And so they're going to have to, they're going to have to face it, you know, and a lot of companies are, are giving us a chance to try to push things in that direction already. And yep. yeah, it's not perfect, but what is, <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I, yeah, it can be frustrating, but I, I can't control what's happened in the past. I can't change that. I can't change that. It's, you know, slow that these things are happening as firsts for me right now, other than to try to make it better for other people. Oh yeah. You're right. You know, really it's especially, and I think there's a lot of privileges involved with why you and I in our own ways have this kind of access for sure. You know, definitely white and you know attractive enough um it's it's just it does create more access than many other people get you know like i from the outside hearing certain things from me is just going to be more palatable than hearing them from somebody else and it's fucked up but also i need to take advantage of that so that i can say those things and use the privileges that I'm, that I possess, you know, for the most good and use them as an invitation for others as well. And I feel like I see you in, in interviews and whatnot, talk about that a lot. And I really appreciate that. I, I try to, but I mean, even with all the stuff that I just said, you know, my, my take on this comes from my privilege that I am comfortable enough that I am supported enough in some ways that, you know, there's a lot of things that my privilege allows me to advocate in the way that I do in a way that's maybe feels safer to people or companies to support me than other people might, because maybe in some ways it's not as urgent because I'm not as much in danger as another trans person might be. You know, and, and that's that's a horrible thing to think about. And I have to constantly think that about, you know, what I say is coming from a place of privilege. Yeah. And, and, and also, but Nikki, like you are in in being a person who is using her voice to, uh, you know, talk about these issues and whatnot, you are you know, you're stoking the, the fires for other people to do the same. And, and, you know, I know that you will be uplifting voices along the way as you always do. And, you know, I'm, I think that I feel the, the momentum and the potential of what you do. And I just, I, I love it. I appreciate it so much. I would like to know, uh, you know, what can, and say as much or as little as you want, what can, at people in the outdoor, not just outdoor industry, but just other outdoorsy people, how can they be better allies to trans outdoors people? I think it's the same way you can be a better ally to a lot of marginalized or underrepresented groups in the outdoor industry. You know, when there's, when there's someone that you respect or admire giving a slideshow or talk or a panel, go to it. Uh, you know, often the people who come to a lot of these panels and events are people who already believe in this. And that's 
kind of unfortunate, you know, you can try to bring a friend, but at the same time, the amount of people showing up to an event that's usually sponsored by a company, they're usually held in climbing gyms or, you know, at, in gear stores or clothing stores. When they see the numbers, that sends a message to the companies. You know, every time there's a women's climbing festival or a queer climbing festival, the more people that show up to those, the more the industry sees that there is a need and there is a want for that. You know, when someone like me or yourself is sponsored or sponsors events, you know, it makes a huge difference for the participants on your hikes to send a message to whoever your sponsors might be for that particular hike and say, thank you. Like, we need more of this. They need to see and hear it from their customers that this is, this means a lot. This is necessary. And so people can do a lot. Um, by supporting the brands that are supporting people who are making change, but also by talking to the brands that aren't where you want them to be. You might love someone's clothing or someone's gear, but you look at their athlete team or the representation and it's, it's lacking. Let them know that's what you wanna see, that you really appreciate the gear and clothing that they make, but they don't represent you as, as an outdoors person. Like, let them know. Let them know they need better sizing. Let them know they need whatever, you know, push them to change. And not just the companies, but the media makers, the photographers, the videographers, the podcasters. Push them to bring on a more diverse group of people to interview, to, to represent. Because the outdoor industry is not just the companies. It's everyone that's in it that's making a living in some way out there and and we need to see that more and we all need to do better with that but people can make a huge difference just by letting companies know what they want to see and supporting the ones that do absolutely you're right there's a lot of cogs in the wheel and yeah numbers are really important it's so true also about a lot of times with our events it's it's the same people who show up to all of our events coming to the, to those events. And uh, it would be, I, I would of course love to see more folks just take a chance on attending our events and, and just seeing what it's all about. And I think it, that's, it, I think another part of that is that there's a, a discomfort, a fear that you're, you know, if you don't understand, you know, why something is important, you might be afraid to go into a space and say the wrong thing or, and, and, and I hear that a lot from a lot of people, but the thing is, is like, you also don't have to speak. You can just observe, you can listen, you can, you know, just take in what people are, 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 are trying to share with you and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's uh, like brands do respond to those numbers, but I just wanted to, before we moved on to the Q and a, I would like to know if, um, there's anything that you would like to share about anything you're working on. I know that's kind of hard right now with COVID-19, but, or anything about you that you'd like people to know or, or, or anything like that. A final word, if you will. <laughs> I think often, like you mentioned earlier, that I'm one of the most visible trans people. There are more out there than people realize. You've probably climbed around them, hiked around them. They probably work in some of the stores you go to. They could be your coworkers. Like there are more trans people out there than you realize. 
and especially those who haven't come out yet, like we're listening. The things that oh, yeah. my friends and family and those around me said, whether it was jokingly or seriously, you know, little homophobic or transphobic jokes, I remembered those and I cataloged those and those affected me much more so than, than you realize. And so, you know, a lot of times it gets pushed off as well, everyone's trying to be too PC, but when it comes to trans and queer identity, the rate of suicide because we're not accepted is, is almost 40% of trans people have, have attempted or, or thought about suicide. I mean, that's an unacceptable number. And it's not because there's anything wrong with us. It's because of how we're treated, how we're portrayed, how things are around us. And so keep that in mind. Like there are more people in your lives that might be queer than you realize. And the things you say and do in your daily life, they are being listened to. And it can make a huge difference if you stand up to someone making a transphobic or homophobic joke, there might be someone in that group that's listening and waiting to hear what y'all might do. And unfortunately, the person who needs to hear that is often too afraid of giving away that they might be trans or queer to say anything themselves. Yep, it's a safety issue. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I not to to center myself or anything like that, but just you know, fat phobia is so uh, rampant and accepted and, 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 you know, much in the same ways that transphobia is too. So when people say those kinds of things, you know, for me, I, I am always, depending on where I'm at in my head, I, it, it depends on whether I can respond or not, you know, even if it's just something I overhear from other people or whatnot. But there is part of me that is always hoping that someone is going to interrupt the bullshit. And it really matters to me. And you're right. I don't forget when I hear even people who I have deep respect and love for say something about, you know, gaining weight or, or in ways that are just very disparaging. I know that we all have that internalized stuff. We all have our issues with body stuff. And I have a lot of compassion and empathy for that. But um, I do remember, you know, it, it, it does get kind of cataloged in my head. So thank you for articulating that. I think that a lot of people can relate to that in so many ways. Unfortunately, um, there's a lot of it going on right now with everyone being quarantined and all the jokes about putting on the COVID-10 or whatever well, it might be. And it just goes on and on. It's things, things are just so much more fucked up than like, gaining a few pounds right now and I do understand how gaining some weight can send someone's mind into places that they can't emotionally afford to be but like we're gonna get to the other side of this it's okay nothing is forever it's a strange time uh let's just roll with it and not cause harm to people if we if we can you know I, I think yeah. we, we can do better um, we are going to move into our q and I know I'm talking your ear off, but I just can't help it. You're so wonderful. Uh, I'll, I'll start with a really quick, fun question uh, from our first podcast guest, Tashian Chillis. Uh, she wants to know, what is your go-to cocktail? Uh, an old-fashioned. Ooh. But it's yes. kind of a, a 
beefed up old fashioned, I guess. <laughs> like it's not like the standard old fashioned. And how well what makes it not a standard old fashioned? I I put contro, a little bit of contro in there. Um I make honey simple syrup instead of sugar. Uh, and so oh, it's wow. a little bit smoother. And so do that. I, I add a little bit of um, smoked um, or charred current um, bitters in there for a little oh, bit of smokiness. Gosh. And um, yeah, just kind of push it a little bit. Okay. Well, when I lead a hike in Salt Lake City, um, when I knock on your door, I'm going to expect this waiting for me. <laughs> no problem. It'll be here. <laughs> oh, awesome. Uh, that sounds so good. And I love an old fashioned. So you were speaking my language right there. Somebody asked a good question. We did kind of touch on it in our interview, but do you ever feel tokenized by the brands you work with? Not that you have to, you know, out them if you don't want to, but yeah. Do you ever feel like they are really looking to support you or to just kind of have you on the roster for the sake of diversity? I've been pretty particular about who I've partnered with. And so I haven't felt tokenized by them. I, I have felt tokenized overall within the outdoor industry. Um, but I think the brands, the brands know who I am as a person and climber. And, you know, like the, the climbing brands that support me, they support me because I'm a fit for some of my climbing accomplishments along with everything else, potentially. Um, is, my, is that my cat? Back I know, there? I'm laughing yeah. about your cat. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think they've, they've been really good about that. And they've, yeah, overall, I think they've, they've been very supportive in being very considerate about what jobs I, I take on or what types of things I do. And they've been, they've been really good about that. But overall, within the outdoor industry, definitely, I see just the overall trend of what I'm asked to speak about or kind of allowed to speak about or who I'm constantly, I guess, highlighted more as. Yeah. I, I some definitely feel that way. I feel you on that, for sure. Um, what has been, oh gosh, this is, this is from our, our second podcast guest, Akuna. Um, he wants to know what was your, in your 22 year, uh, outdoor, you know, adventure life career, uh, you know, in the industry, things like that. What, what's been your favorite experience? Oh, I don't know if I can pick just one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's really hard because I am proud of a lot of the things I did before this. But because I couldn't really reveal who I was, because I couldn't fully be myself, um, and because I was using climbing negatively, kind of to avoid who I was, and, and it became it became kind of a negative thing in my life for a while. It's it's hard to choose some of the things I did earlier. There's there's a lot of experiences that I've had more recently in the past three years where I've been able to climb with other trans people. That was an amazing thing. The first time I got to climb with another trans person, at least knowingly, um, going on climbing trips where 
it, it's all women, we're all queer, half of us were trans, it was an amazing thing. But there's still, you know, friends that I've had for a long time that we've gone out into the mountains together and done some first ascents or, or had these experiences that really brought us closer together and allowed us to have conversations that you don't get to have in normal life, I guess, have been really meaningful. That's beautiful. Um, but I don't know. Overall, like, there there isn't, like, one accomplishment that I could say has been, like, something I, I could really go to, like. Uh, sharing space with folks you share identities with um, or a specific identity with is so empowering. And, yeah, I, I can understand why those would be really at the top of your list, for sure. Yeah. Um, somebody would like to know, uh, as far as clothing goes, what, uh, what are some brands that are, that you like, uh, in terms of buying clothing that fits you? Um, you know, just clothing maybe for taller women, for women who have different shaped bodies. Uh, are there some brands that are making things that you, that you swear by? Um, I'm supported by Mountain Hardware, and so I there's a lot of stuff that they do. But that being said, not everything fits. I'm six four. My shoulders are very broad. Um, not everything fits me, so I I tend to look for things. Um, if it's kind of more summer athletic climbing clothing for like the gym, I tend to go with like what I'm wearing now, like you know sleeveless. Um, having sleeves on there, if I get something that fits my shoulders then it doesn't fit the rest of me. Um, but sleeveless, I can, I can find a size that works. Um, I tend to search for um, soft shell stuff as much as possible. Anything that moves um, and stretches is gonna fit me better than something that's um, pretty rigid. Um, that's not always possible, especially with some of the ice climbing and stuff that I do where I have to have hard shells. Right. Um, but yeah, fit fit is all over the place. Even even with brands that do tall sizing, not all the tall stuff is going to fit very well. Um, and you know, there, there's a mix, and I think every brand's line of what fits and what doesn't, and it's a lot of trial and error. But I tend to to really search out the stuff that that moves with me because it. it I found it, it does fit me better overall and I can make it work. But I, with my size, I tend to have to have to just accept that my Improvise. pants, yeah, I tend to roll my pants up um, for normal stuff just because it's going to be kind of floods anyway and not quite long <laughs> enough that I just have to figure out ways to make it still work. Um, so I'll just, Put a little shorts. style on it. Yeah. Yeah. Do that or, or just go with shorts in the first place. Or, yeah. Or whatever, you know, just try to make things, make things work. Um, I fully, yeah, fully understand from a different perspective, just being a plus size person and, you know, being plus size, it, it also means like even more body shape diversity. It's like, mm -hmm. I can say I fit one size, but really I'm a different size on top than I am on the bottom as, you know, yeah. I'm sure you can also relate to too. Oh, yeah. And it's like, 
Yeah, so it's, it's really a hodgepodge. I would love to say that one brand for myself is working for me, but you know, there's some brands that are, are doing better than others for sure. But for, for sure. the most part, same. I'm wearing a lot of stuff from a lot of things and like never expecting something to fit me right and then being pleasantly surprised when it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's tricky. And, and even before I had the clothing brand support, that there never was one brand that everything, you know, they, they make a tall line that does everything I need. Um, you know, it's, they're all, all trying to do some different things, but you know, it's, it's trial and error and it can be frustrating going clothes shopping. I, I love clothing, but I hate clothes shopping. It's like one of the worst experiences. Too. It's really frustrating. I love how clothes can make me feel, but I hate shopping. So loud and clear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take one more question just because I can't resist. This is from Merrick Bowers from Rology. And nice. yeah. I haven't and seen him since last summer. I know, I know. And we're not going to have OR this year or I this know. summer. So uh, hopefully we'll all get to gather again, you know, before the next summer. Uh, but he is wondering, he actually asked a few questions. I'm going to pick one because this is the longest I've ever gone over before. Uh, <laughs> he wants to know, uh, what do you do when people ask over like invasive questions that you don't want to answer? You know, how do you respond? It depends on the person. Sometimes I'll flip it back around on them and ask them something very, you know, like I'm, I'm asked about, um, like, when did you know you were cisgender or <laughs> when um, did you come out to your parents? <laughs> sometimes, um, you know, I'm, I'm asked about my genitals a lot. Oh. And so if it's a guy, I'll ask if they've had a vasectomy or, <laughs> you know, or, or a woman, if she's had a hysterectomy and just like, which is it, like even less personal in some ways but yeah oh. but it's still it's something like yeah you don't ask I, people about their bodies in that way you just don't yeah yeah um other people i'll just flat out tell them like hey that's not really appropriate um, yep Bless yeah you. It, it varies on the situation um, yeah it's like y'all if you're curious about anything just like educate yourself via google and don't be asking people in their day-to-day -day lives pretty much anything about their bodies at any time that's just kind of a a rule of thumb <laughs> yeah it's it's tricky with outdoor stuff and especially climbing you know so many people have had knee surgeries and shoulder surgeries you know torn labrums and all this like injuries are a big part of mm of sport. And so, you know, when I have had to go in for, for surgeries, you know, I just say, Oh, I, you know, I have to miss out on this event because I'm having surgery. And like, Oh, well, what do you have in work done? And like, it's not really something I want to talk about. You know, it's, it's hard because that is such a, a part of outdoor sports is, you know, people get injured right. all the time it's and common. they, they yeah. want to know, like, Oh, what did you do? Because I'm about to have shoulder surgery. Like, how did you, you know, how did that work for you? You know, like that's a big part of it. And it, yeah, that can be really uncomfortable for trans people. The Google Oracle is your friend. If you're curious or don't understand something, just, 
you got the power. You got the power of the Google. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, Nikki, thank you so much for being with us today. Yep, thank you. Have a great day. You too. Okay, bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I'll be doing this podcast event every week, uh, every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The link will always be available on the podcast page. It will change every week. And I hope you'll join us and bring your awesome questions. I'm trying to have our episodes come out every single Wednesday. So for everybody who misses these things, you can catch them on all of your streaming uh, apps uh, the Wednesday after. Our next episode is going to be kind of taking unlikely hikers from the Instagram feed to the podcast. We're going to have a few folks telling short outdoors stories and uh, just about experiences that they've had. I will be telling one of my own that is rather infamous and uh, you're probably not going to want to miss it. So I hope you'll join us for that. More information will come out soon. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, you know, this and that. You can watch this on YouTube. And uh, it always, always helps me when you share. And if you give us some good ratings and uh, yeah, tell, give us five stars and all of that. Thank you so much for joining us and I will see you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>